Snippet, the short podcast platform. And we're back with more Boy Meets 90s, where I, a 30-something boy, interview icons, legends, and sometimes memes, before there were memes, from the decade that defined our childhood, the 90s. Today on the show, we welcome Erica Luttrell, who you might just remember as Keisha on the Magic School Bus. She's known for quite a bit more, especially in modern times, like playing Taylor on Stargate Atlantis, voicing Sapphire in Steven Universe, and starring in lots of lots of video games like Dishonored 2 and Apex Legends. But to start us off, here's Erica on how much her character on the Magic School Bus has stuck with her to this day, even in her personal and romantic life. I went on like my first Bumble date with my wife and then she later looked me up but she's like, oh, she's an actress. She's a teacher. And so she looked me up and like had a total meltdown because she's like, I watched this as a child when I was sick at lunch. And then I also played it for all my kids and all that, you know, so that was, it was like my first I think brush with the fact that I hadn't really digested the fact that the magic school bus had carried forward that much. I just kind of was like, it was something I did. Mm -hmm. It was one of the jobs I had as a kid. I had a fun time. It was great. People liked it, I guess, you know? And then I was like, Oh, okay. It's a big, and now I'll just see all these memes and the Ms. Frizzles and the things everywhere. (laughs) I'm like, Oh yeah, that's, it's strange to me. You just never know what's going to be like your thing. The thing that like lasts. And I think that's a perfect indicator. Your your bumble date with your now wife, right? Who yes. happens mm-hmm. to be a teacher. It's like yep. she she met a hero almost on that first date. Basically. She currently she bought herself a magic school bus t-shirt that has like Keisha on it in the bus window. She wears it often. It's it's very cute. Believe it or not, although Erica was 12, at least she thinks she was, when the magic school bus production began, she did not get her start in that show. She began doing Pampers and Cadillac commercials when she was a baby, and by age nine, she had her first starring role in a television series called Shining Time Station. To a shining time station, where dreams can come true. So my my parents were like, oh, we have a cute kid. Okay, cool. Let's put her in things. That's basically, you know. And I had fun. They took me, my mom took me to a total cattle call for, for, even if, for people who don't know what that is, it's just like everybody and their mother uh, (laughs) in line essentially to audition for a thing. And it was a Pampers commercial and I was two years old and uh, I booked it. I was one of the kids that booked it, had a great time. And, and then I just kept booking commercials, you know, she's like, Oh, this is nice. She, you know, and so I did that. And then eventually I booked a show called shining time station, which was like the Thomas, the tank engine, but live action thing. And then a, Canadian show called Book Mice and then the Magic School Bus, which happened. It was funny because the character looks looked a lot like me as a kid. And when I went in, the producers were like, well, I guess I think that seems about right, I guess. <laughs> so for those who don't remember or who aren't teachers who haven't watched the Magic School Bus in a couple decades, Erica's character, Keisha, was the snarky smarty pants of the group. She was not to be trifled with, especially by boys dumb boys weather and who do you think does all the stirring weatherman he can even make thunderstorms come on ralphie weatherman the heat must be getting to you oh yeah what do you know plenty oh yeah you 
We wondered, was she really like that as a kid? Was I a smarty pants? I was bossy. <laughs> I was definitely bossy. I guess that that might have equated to smarty pants. I like had a game that, oh my goodness, my dear, dear friend who lives in in London came to visit and I couldn't pick her up from the airport because I was working. So my wife did. And, you know, my wife was like, so was Erica a little terror as a kid. So she told her the stories of me just trying to get her to play power cheetahs and like, just put the rubber bands around your, it's a game I made up <laughs> around your wrists. Cause I loved uh, Chitara from Thundercats. Um, <laughs> and so I made up this game and she's like, but my hands are going numb. And I'd be like, but that's the outfit. So I was a bit bossy. <laughs> if your parents didn't, you know, um, think, oh, we've got a cute kid. Let's make her an actress and then started putting you out for things. Would mm -hmm. you have found this career anyway on your own? Do you think? It's an interesting question. I have no idea. I honestly don't know because myself and my sisters were all sort of put into it around the same time. My sisters are uh, older than me a bit. So it's all I know. <laughs> There was a time when I was a kid and I was like, I just want to work at McDonald's because I wanted to do something normal, which yeah. I realized is insane to like the average kid at the time or, you know, but it was just the thing that people were doing. Like they would grow up, they'd become a teenager, they'd get their, you know, minimum wage job doing something, you know, and I just thought that that would be cool to do because I would take a couple months out you know, from school to go shoot or record things. So yeah, it's, it's hard to say. I've asked myself that question over the years. I've developed new relationships with my job as things have gone by. So as years have gone by. So in my twenties, I leaned back from the business a bit. Like I didn't put that much effort into it. I didn't pull out altogether, but I was like, no, no, no. Like I never really chose it. Let me see if I can choose it. If, if I miss it, if I, and it was interesting during that time, the voice stuff really took off. And because it's not the sort of thing where you have to take huge blocks of time, I was able to kind of have other elements of my life and just kind of go in for a four hour recording session or. Um, and so when that happened, it kind of reestablished for me what it is that I that I very much love about it, which is just because he, doing voice as an adult, in any case, uh, magic school was group recording sessions, all the kids. But as an adult, uh, it's you just you in a booth and the director behind the glass and the script, you know, you get to just do what you have and the director will give you some adjustments and so it's very much just about the acting and the performance and being in the moment. It's not all the lighting and the everything and the hurry up and wait and the, you know. Mm -hmm. So it, it reminded me, especially also because I got to play a lot of badass characters. So. And before we get to those, one more thing on the Magic School Bus, perhaps our most common question on Boy Meets 90s, what made the program so special, at least from Erica's perspective now looking back? It's such a fun show. Uh, and it's so unique and it's educational. <laughs> like how on earth did they make such an educational show so fun and also kind of edgy? You know, Miss Frizzle is super edgy and, you know, has whatever it is we presume about her actual personal life and what have you. She's just such a cool character and she's everybody's like the coolest teacher you've ever had. And we've all had those teachers so it's incredibly relatable and 
and accurate and educational. And it just, I don't know, it, it just really struck a chord. And I, I think, you know, cause I, the producers were always there for our recording sessions. And I, I think they put a great deal of care into the creation of it. Like, you know, little Richard doing the, the theme song and, you know, Malcolm Jamal Warner was the fellow who told the tales with Liz and the, you know, like they, they, and obviously Lily Tomlin, who is spectacular playing Miss Frizzle. Like it was just a really well-considered children's show, yeah. you know? And, and I feel like the most well-considered children's productions, you know, films and what have you appeal to adults and kids and stand like they stand up. I mean, like people will produce like the kind of thing they're like, whatever part 16 of whatever movie franchise. <laughs> and you're like, okay, that it's fine, but it leaves that weird taste in your mouth. But the ones that really, you know, like you can feel the love that was put into the production. Seatbelts, everyone! Please let this be a normal field trip with a friend. No way! Cruising on down Main Street, you're relaxed and feeling good. Next thing that you know, you see it. What's in my neighborhood? Surfing on the sine wave, swinging through the stars. Take a left at Tillman Tasman. Take your second right back. There's so much more Erica worked on in the 90s and early 2000s that we will just glaze over today. A reboot of the Ghost Rider series, Goosebumps, and the cult classic as told by Ginger. She says those roles carried her forward into modern times when she started to become more and more known for her work in video games, such as World of Warcraft, Dishonored, Harry Potter, Wizards Unite. She's literally Hermione in that one, by the way. And most recently, Marvel's Avengers. It's another thing that surprises me or surprised mm -hmm. me because I would gain, I don't gain that much now. I did over the pandemic buy a PlayStation because I was like, this is silly. I need to be like playing my games. <laughs> um, but I didn't like, I gamed as a kid and I gamed up till maybe like 16. And then I just like the last kind of, I don't know, triple A type game I played as a kid was like Quake. <laughs> yeah. You know, it's like a long yeah. time ago. So it did blow me away. I mean, obviously the graphics and the, the game design now and mechanics are so far past, you know, what I experienced. When I, so it's it's like, you know, you're just playing a movie at this point. But yeah, the, the feedback I received, the sort of fandom of it, I, like I that took me by surprise. I didn't anticipate that I would do, like, I loved these characters, but I didn't anticipate like what happens when you are literally embodying the character yourself as a, as a gamer, you know, and how much of a relationship you develop with that character with an Emily Caldwin in Dishonored 2 or Bangalore and Apex or what have you. And so I get like all these messages from so many folks <laughs> who are just so impacted by it. I love hearing it. Yeah. Um, yeah. And games are huge. You know, they make more money than films do at this point. I, have been on sets now where I'll just show, you know, and people will fellow actors have discovered that I do, do whatever voice and whatever game. And they're like, what? 
For modern gamers, here's one that might excite you the most. Erica is the voice of Bangalore in Apex Legends. I was on a set recently and a security fellow, actually, no, he wasn't a security fellow. He was the medic, the set medic. It was a commercial and he um, found out that I voiced Bangalore in Apex and he was like, okay, um, I've met The Rock. Uh, I've met, and he like listed a few people that, and he's like, I have never, I'm really uh, flustered right now. I don't know. <laughs> I was like, that's awesome. See, you're you're the perfect kind of famous because people only you people are only going to recognize you if you allow them to. You know what I mean? Right. Like, it's, it's that's like cool. that seems perfect. Like you're you're not going to be bombarded, but if you want somebody <laughs> to know, you could. <laughs> Seriously, I mean, it's millions upon millions of people playing Apex Legends as an example, and. You know, they don't know. I just walked up, yeah. but I'm I have no doubt that a good amount of people that I pass on the street would know. In if fact, I said in it. some ways that secret fame uh, got you a wife. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> in some ways, you are right. <laughs> Time for our signature question on the show. What is Erica's favorite piece of pop culture, movie, music, TV show, fashion trend, whatever that she loved most about the nineteen nineties? Does Dirty Dancing count? Is that a 90s? I don't think so. Shit! <laughs> okay, Pretty Woman. Yeah, that's definitely 90s. Okay, yeah. okay, Pretty Woman. Yeah, definitely. Woman. That would, I, you know, I'm a girl. I don't know. I li- I really enjoyed that movie, and it actually kind of shaped my impression of what L.A. would be like when I moved out here. I was like, yeah, what's your dream? <laughs> okay. Rodeo Drive buying everything kind of yeah, thing. Yeah. yeah. Oh my gosh. You don't even like when I came out here, I went to the uh the Reg Bev Will for all those who have seen the film and care about these moments. <laughs> like, oh my god, the Reg of Beverly Will Of course I've been there like maybe two times now. Like living in LA, it's not a place you really go. Right. When I moved here, I was like, I must. Did Thundercats go into the nineties? I, I think it might have touched the nineties, but it, I I wouldn't define it as that decade. But that's right. fine. We'll count it. We can count it. Okay, we're gonna all right, count that because I was obsessed <laughs> with them. And I bought all the action figures. Cool. I had the layer and all of the things. Okay, let's that's see. That's awesome. It's, know, it, it's like interesting that. because I just yeah. to, sorry to interrupt you, but um my, my wife is about your age. She was born in seventy nine yeah. and she okay. also can't remember anything from the nineties. It's it's, it's it's like the eighties very much defined her child so much that like yes. she can't even she's like I don't know I don't know anything I'm, I'm Titanic yeah. like what yeah what happened you know like <laughs> it's it's mostly eighty eighties movies eighties music eighties culture yeah. that really resonate with her so it's almost like of people of people your guys' age which I guess is Gen Gen X right yeah. like like something about the nineties got a little lost for for that generation interestingly. That is- I think so. Like the, it, like I can point to the music. I can like your Nirvanas, for and sure. Your, uh, like Counting Crows and your what ha- you know. But this is like stuff my sisters were listening to around me. You know, you're like, no, I maybe shouldn't. Depeche Mode is that '80s? <laughs> it is. It is predominantly '80s. Yeah. It's predominantly '80s. <laughs> Why? This yeah, is weird. It's a good discovery. There's something it something going on here. Discovery. Like the '90s. Here's okay. What's interesting to me about the 90s is that it doesn't feel, (laughs) I accept that it's a long time ago, but it actually doesn't entirely yet feel to me like a long time ago. I follow 
an uh, Instagram account called I am 30 AF. And I think it's hysterical. And they're always posting things like that. Like, did you know that this year is as close to this year as this year is to this? Like, I cannot wrap <laughs> my brain around the fact, you know, that someone, oh, you know, now, I'm just starting to accept the fact that people born in the 90s are like in their mid to late 20s. <laughs> like, I, it, so to me, in a way, I guess the 90s, it feels a little bit just like yesterday. Like, I, I realize the style has evolved. And I, whereas the 80s feels like period. Yeah. And feels like another time. The 90s kind of blends for me into the 2000s. <laughs> so all you have to do is look at the picture of yourself on the cover of the show Ghostwriter with the other two actors. Just look, and you'll be like, okay, that was the 90s. Just look at it. Especially the le especially the leading male who oh. who's wearing he's got like a puka shell necklace and slightly spiky oh. hair and and like a like a an overshirt and an undershirt all oh. yeah all of it I mean yeah. you you look very nineties too but if you just look at that oh, yeah. picture you'll I be did. like all right I, I see and finally if we can keep our decades straight here what does Erica miss most about the nineties oh man uh, the sense of a future. <laughs> <laughs> But like, <laughs> you I, mean like hope? I mean, hope, you know, childlike wonder. I yeah. mean, yeah, because we're—I don't know if this is supposed to be a super upbeat show, but you know, we're driving back today, and there's like, uh, yeah, there's just like a sense that things are evolving in this kind of strange, you know, and we need to evolve as humans. And I, you know, me as a kid in the eighties and nineties. You know, I mean, it's partly just being a kid, but, you know, there was just like an just endless possibility on the yeah. horizon and no <laughs> like impending much of anything, really, at least not that I was told at the time. Yeah. So that, I guess, that's what I miss. I miss kind of the the whimsy of uh, knowing that that tomorrow is certain. Erica Luttrell, fantastic person in every way. What a pleasure to have her on the show this week. Join us in the coming weeks for the final episodes of season one of Boy Meets 90s. Until then, I'm Tyler Russell. You can find more short shows you'll love at snippet.fm or by following the social media handles of the same name at snippet.fm. <laughs>